Jake Warner was at the control. So sit back, relax, and check this drone out right here. Jake! Yo! Okay, here we go. So good to be back. This podcast is for the people. No, nobody knows who I am. Jake! Live from the Big Brother Bungalow in Southern California. Ready to talk a bunch of nonsense with you. I can't stand them. It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. I am your host, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner. My government name. Welcome to the show. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud.com slash The Big Brother Jake Podcast. You can also go to iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio. Type in the keyword search, The Big Brother Jake Podcast, and boom, you're in there. Really good to be back behind the microphone here. Really good to uh, be in the studio again. It's been a minute, and um, I know I promised two shows last week. Um, that music show that I promised is coming, and um, you, you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised. I've been interviewing a lot of people. I've been guests. I've been a guest on uh, other shows uh, promoting the Big Brother Jake podcast, and it's been really great. So shout out to uh, my discussion with Michael Myers, uh, one of my favorite MCs of all time and good friend, and also my man Brian Finley. Uh, all the Finley fanatics, thanks for having me on that podcast. Uh, check that out when you get a chance. Um, I'll put up some links and stuff uh, to that particular show I was on. Um, talked about the old Fox Sports Radio days. Talked about all the the craziness that that I used to be into um, on the in, at Fox Sports Radio, and, and all the you know crazy stuff I've done in my career. Vince Scully saving my life. Yeah, I talked about that. Um, anyways, this show in particular, it's like man, you 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 promised us music. Well, here's the thing. Sports talk radio has been my moneymaker for many years. And earlier in the week, uh, I read news on one of my great friends in this business, Tony Bruno, uh, was let go from SiriusXM due to some comments that were made that (laughs) reading them to me, I was like, nah, that ain't Tony. He would never say anything so foolish. He would never be the things he was accused of, being a racist and whatnot. And when I see good people going through things, I like to get to the bottom of it, and I'm a ride for them. So next segment, the great Tony Bruno um, was at Fox Sports Radio. He started Fox Sports Radio. He was the one of the first. He, he started ESPN Radio. He was there for all of that. He's done uh, Madden. He, he was the, he did some voice work on for uh, for the Madden game that everybody loves. And above all, he's just one hell of a human being and one hell of a radio host. Not just sports. This guy could talk about anything. And I felt we were gonna we were already set to do the podcast with Tony Bruno way before all this craziness happened with um with, with what he's going through with Sirius XM and being let go and whatnot. So that was already planned. But I wanted to make sure I got him on. He's not trying to do no Mio Copa tour, no I'm sorry. or He's not that guy. He's strongly, he has a strong opinion. Um, and he likes to tell it like it is. And some people are scared of that. And the cancer culture is a crazy one out there. And so I wanted... And I, I asked him, I, I, I texted him and I said, Tony, you know, 
I'd still like to have you on. I, I, I don't want you to feel like you have to do an apology tour. It's like, that's not what I want to do, but yeah, I'd love to come on. So uh, we, we're going to have Tony Bruno come on the next segment. And um, it's a very, you know, we recorded it just not too long ago. Very, very interesting segment. Probably one of the most engaging interviews I've ever done. And um, Tony's a friend. So, yeah, there's a little bias. I'm not going to lie. But I love Tony. He's, he's like an uncle to me. He's helped me out my career a lot. And I wanted the world to know his side of the story. So you'll hear him next segment. And we also talk about what we went through yesterday. As uh, you're listening, I'm taping this on September 12th, 2020. And uh, we discussed when 9-11 happened, we were working at the time. I was at Fox Sports Radio in the Fox Sports Radio studios. Um, I was filling in on the board that day uh, for the great Jason Mark. <laughs> Shout out to you. I don't even know where he is, man, but that's my dude. And um, it, was a, it, it was a crazy day. And I went to the rubble about three months after the towers went down. And I'll never forget how I felt. I, I, like when I saw it happen, and then three months later, we got on a plane. Or six months later, I'm sorry. Got on a plane. Um, it was when my dad was real sick before he passed away. And uh, we went down to ground zero. And I only took one picture while I was there. For those that follow me on Instagram, yes, I was there for 12 hours and took like 100 photos. But we went down to ground zero. And my mother, my sister, and myself, and it just crushed me how I would look at the New York skyline. That's That was my way of navigating through New York. As long as I saw the towers, I could go anywhere without a map. I can now, but back then I really couldn't. And we go down there, and even when the subways would pass through and you could smell the stench of dead bodies still, it was... One of the most saddest, most humbling experiences I ever had. Just seeing something like that, it, it broke my heart. And um, I've seen a couple posts like this. And one of the dopest days and weeks to follow was September 12th, 2001. Nobody really cared about race. Nobody cared about rich or poor. Nobody cared about, you know, everybody loved cops back then, you know. And it was just a day I remember, like, at my house I flew a flag. You know, I'm military too, so, I mean, I got love for, for the flag, you know. And I'm not afraid to say that. Probably get some backlash. Do I care? Not really. I'm American. And I'm a Navy vet. But that day, I remember, we were all united. We were all calling our loved ones. Like, I love you, man. We're, uh, I'm, I'm scared. I've never seen nothing like this before. And they're like, yeah, 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 you know. And it's like, we should talk more. And people were starting to get united. And families were getting together and talking. And, and everybody was happy about the police. And back then, Mary, Mayor Giuliani was a hero. And now people can't stand him, you know, because he said some crazy stuff or whatever. Yeah, I said it. Don't care. And um, it was a different time. And then normalcy came back. 
George W. Bush threw out the first pitch at the World Series. It was a strike. We had baseball back. Everything was great. Everything was great. And now the way the nation is with everything that's going on, it's it's a disappointment. But that's another show for another day. <laughs> I don't want to carry on with that. But um, I spent that moment with the planes going through the towers with Tony Bruno, and we discussed that uh, in the interview. But um, I'd be remiss as an American, as a Navy vet, as a citizen of the United States, regardless, I'll never forget that day. I never, I'll never forget how I felt. I'll never forget how sad and somber everything was that day. And we shouldn't forget. So for all those that lost people at the Pentagon, at the World Trade Center, Flight 93, um, again, my heart goes out to each and every person that lost somebody during those terrible tragedies of 9-11. It's something I never want to relive or just even watching some of the footage I feel the same way when I saw the riots in 1992 in South Central. You see that stuff and it just evokes emotion. And I don't ever want to go through that again. And yeah, Bin Laden's been caught and killed and, you know, but we still have a long way to go as a nation, as as citizens. We have a long way to go, but I don't want to get too political on that. But... I'd be remiss, again, like I said, if I didn't mention 9-11. So um, to everyone that's, you know, had somebody they lost or just even if you didn't lose anybody and you just, you know, felt that your nation was attacked and you were hurting, you know, my love goes out to y'all. So I had to mention that and and take care of some business. So um, we're going to move on. Um, My friend... One of my mentors, one of my heroes in Sports Talk Radio, Tony Bruno will join me and we'll discuss everything from that day, 9-11, how that happened, uh, to everything going on in, in, in the NBA, his, his being let go from SiriusXM, and uh, he had a really dope story about, some of y'all might be too young for this, but one of my favorite comedians, I, you know, I'm not going to give it away, I'm not going to give it away, but a very popular comedian, he had a story about it, um, he, he talks about it. So let's go ahead. We're going to get to that interview with the great Tony Bruno, the godfather of Sports Talk Radio, right now. You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast. All right, on the line with us on the Big Brother Jake Podcast, this man is one of my heroes in Sports Talk Radio. I call him the godfather. I've actually seen this man pass a kidney stone on the air. I've seen it happen in person. He's a damn Superman. He's the man. He's the myth. He's the legend. He's my friend. The great Tony Bruno has joined the Big Brother Jake podcast. Finally. Good on, Tony. How you doing, man? What up, Big Brother Jake? You know, you know, you and I are of blood, man. We're, we're, yes. we're pretty much family after all these oh, years. Oh, we are. We, we're the most definitely family. We, we've been through a lot and seen a lot together, man. <laughs> well, how many other men do you see cowered up in the corner in a studio passing a kidney stone? 
You know, it's like watching a woman give birth. You know, it's the closest thing to watching a woman give birth. And you have kids, so you know what that's yes, all about. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I'm sitting there like, you all right? I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And we're back. Hey, all right, we're back. Like, nothing happened. I'm like, this man, damn, I couldn't do that. I, I'd have a cold and be like, you know, a baby about it. But <laughs> it's good to catch up with you, man. And, and, and I'm really glad you joined the podcast. And, you know, first of all, 9-11 just passed. And, um... You and I were in the studio together at Fox Sports Radio when that happened. Um, tell me how you felt. I, I, I know the emotions we all felt we, when we turned the TV on, because you used to ask me to turn the TV to a certain channel for you, and we'd put it on the, the, whatever news channel it would be, and we already saw the World Trade Center, one of the towers on fire. And we all witnessed with Andrew Siciliano there with us and, and a whole bunch of other people, the second plane go through the building, the second tower. What was your emotion? How did you feel about that when you witnessed that? Well, remember, we were on the air, Jake, and we were goofing off. I think we were talking about Michael Jordan. Yeah, we were. You know, we're talking NBA, Michael Jordan, goofing off, having fun. Yeah. You know, it was September 11th. Football season was just starting. You know, Michael Jordan was still playing. And we're talking 19 years ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the monitors in our studio you know, they had all the different channels at Fox and NBC. Mm-hmm. And so there's no sports going on. Remember, it's five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> yeah. our time in yeah. L.A. where we were, were yeah. when it was, you know, eight, eight o'clock. And then, of course, it was six just after six o'clock mm-hmm. in our second hour with Andrew and myself and the whole gang there. That's when we saw the scene of the World Trade Center building number one. Yeah. And then the hole in the side and the smoke coming out and everybody's thinking, oh, it must have been a small plane got lost. Maybe the weather was bad. It was so nobody knew. So we were just talking about it. And then all of a sudden it became a very, 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 very obvious mm-hmm. that this was not just a small plane crashing into the side of the world trade. And I had, I had the opportunity to go up there and have dinner at the, you know, the top of the mm-hmm. world many times, mm-hmm. you know, living in Philly and most of my life and going to New York, which I loved yeah. and eating up there and then seeing that whole thing. So Andrew and I, you know, we could have, we could have just shut it down and say, hey, you know what? We're a sports station, man. You know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do here? But luckily, Andrew had news experience. Yes. I started out in news for the first 15 years and transitioned to sports. So it was one of those things. We wanted to be there and experience it with everybody else because a lot of people, you know, they they want they were listening. They were yeah. listening to us. And so it was our, our duty. It's, you don't run away from a story of that magnitude. Right. And so we weren't heroes. We were just getting the information just like anybody else was. But luckily, we had people all over the country. We had Larry King call in in L.A. wondering if another plane was coming out and heading to hit Los Angeles. So everybody remembers the emotions of that of that morning. Yeah. And Andrew and I and everybody around stayed around. I think we were on for like seven consecutive oh, yeah. hours because we did not want to get off the air. Right. I didn't want to get out and go home and wonder what was going on with the world. So then when we finally left the airwaves. Uh, that's when, uh, you know, we were relieved and people came in and then I was living alone. I remember I had moved from Philly, yes. so I moved there alone to LA. Yes. So this is the first, actually the, the second year, cause I moved there in August of 2000. So this is only a few months, a little over a year when I moved to Los Angeles and I'm alone living in an apartment down in Marina Del Rey. Mm-hmm. And so I had no one to go to. I had my people were calling me. I was calling them on the East coast wondering what was going on. Right. So one of the things I did is I walked I walked over to the Venice Beach Pier uh, that night because I knew that a lot of people were walking around not knowing what was going to happen. So we went out there, and there was a candlelight vigil, Mm -hmm. candlelit vigil, and I just stood around with strangers, people I didn't even know, just sitting there and and hoping that 
you know, this was the end of it, that we didn't want to, you know, what was going to happen next, where we'd be under attack, is L.A. going to be hit? Right. And then we were worrying about our families far, far away. So we lived through that. We made it through. And then, of course, one of the things that I mentioned this week when I tweeted about it mm-hmm. was, you know, here we were, and I remember 19 years ago like it was yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now what was the one thing we were talking about and what, what our listeners were calling about, not the first day, but the next day after, you know, hey, you know, luckily nothing else happened. Those were the only attacks uh, we're worrying about the rebuilding, how many bodies would be found. Yeah. And then people who wanted sports to come back were wondering whether or not sports should come back. Yeah. Could sports be the healing thing that people need? Just like now with the coronavirus. You know, right, yeah. Now we're seeing college football being played. We saw the NBA. We saw hockey. We're seeing sports start to get back to normal. But this was a different threat. Yes. Back then, you know, we didn't know whether we were going to be attacked. We didn't know who was going to be hit next. So sports finally did come back. And we remember Yankee Stadium. Yes. We remember you know, the first pitch being thrown out by the President Bush at the time mm-hmm. and how America came together and how sports brought us together. Yes. Because sports is an outlet and an entertainment venue for us. Right. You know, they're professionals. They do their job. But they're basically playing kids' games. Yep. And now we have gambling on it and everything else, and we root for our favorite teams. But 2019, you know, 2001, sports brought America together. And now in 2020 – Sports is uh, to a lot of people, not to everybody. Mm-hmm. Sports is separating a lot of people. It's polarizing. Not because sure, people yeah. can't agree or can't disagree. It's because I think a lot of people have soured on sports, first of all, through all the, the baseball nonsense where they're negotiating every day. We're going to play 60 games. No, we're going to play 40. And so as a fan and you got no job and you lost your business and you got people that you know who are dying, right. and then you have athletes and millionaires – arguing about we want to make sure we're protected. And then when they finally came up with the bubble, players complaining about hotel rooms and whether their hotel yeah. rooms were good enough for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are sitting at home, hotel rooms, I don't have a house. <laughs> yeah, I'm living exactly. on the streets. So that's the kind of stuff that affects me as much as I love sports and it's been my life. I think the tone-deaf nature of a lot of super-rich people crying about, you know, how tough their lives are, yeah. you know, when people are dying is still in Afghanistan and stuff, that kind of stuff bothers me because – when I see real people dying on the streets every night, people being shot, kids being shot dead, mm-hmm. that's reality, man. Yeah. Complaining about your suite down there in, at Disney World, yeah. is it nice enough? <laughs> people don't want to hear that, man. I mean, people don't want to hear that. Absolutely. No, they don't. And and, and that's the thing um, with this whole bubble situation. I, I, I don't like the fact that – and we're going to touch on some other things regarding LeBron in a minute because I'm not a fan of his, to be honest, at all. But, you know, and I know you're not <laughs> by any stretch. But but the, the nature of what's going on, you know, I've been affected financially. A lot of my friends have been affected financially by this whole uh, pandemic and whatnot. But for these athletes to go on, and, and, and I might be biting a hand that feeds me because I work for two organizations. But... In this time, there's really no place for an athlete or anybody to comp- to be complaining about a situation where, oh, my hotel is not up to par. Oh, the food is not five-star. Like, that, that's not relatable to the people, and you're going to turn some people off doing that. Especially the people, Jake, that are, you know, the people that work in these arenas and stadiums who don't have jobs. Right. You know, the players luckily got back. They're playing in empty stadiums. We're seeing people in stands in college stadiums now, mm-hmm. and hopefully they're okay and people won't shame them for going to a sporting event. And that's where we live in this political world where, you know, if you go out, you're going to kill people by going out to watch a sporting event. Right. Uh, but, you know, you can go out and do anything else, and uh, suddenly those people can't kill anybody. So that's the insanity of the world of politics now, which I don't really care about. Right. But the bottom line is 
It's not about do I like LeBron James or he can say whatever he wants. He's got a powerful voice. Right. I don't even how can you dislike the guy as being one of the greatest players of all time? So right. I don't root for or against the Lakers. I'm not a Laker fan. No, I lived I in L.A. for 11 years with the Kobe and Shaq era. And I saw all the stuff that went on out there. And the sports fans are sports fans and they always will be. Right. So Laker fans are going to defend Shaq. They're going to defend LeBron no matter what he says. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all I all I try to do is when I see hypocrisy. I don't make it personal. No. I don't hate LeBron James. I don't I don't wish bad things on him. I just had a different opinion on him, a different viewpoint. And then if you have a different viewpoint now, uh, you're a bad person. And then then you're a racist if you say something about him reading those books and the, and the, the things that we saw, uh, you know, the pictures from the bubble right. where he's reading the book about Malcolm X. And then there was a reporter there who asked him, you know, what did you think about the book? And he was turned to the first page. I don't care whether he right. reads one book, 50 books, 100 books, or no books. I don't care what LeBron James does with his private life. He does a lot of good things because he makes a lot of money, and God bless him, he can help kids and build schools and stuff. Right. That's what I would do if I was a billionaire, too. Right. I mean, anybody with a good heart who has the wherewithal to be able to help people when they have a lot of money, that's what they should do. It's the people who don't have the wherewithal without the cam- television cameras there where everybody in the camera crew is telling everybody what a great person you are. Mm-hmm. You become a great person when you do it and nobody knows. Like Charles Barkley, yes. you know, another NBA player mm-hmm. who's a great guy. Charles Barkley writes a check to the people up in Tahoe when uh, part of their community burned down in a wildfire and didn't tell anybody. He didn't have to go out and have a big check and say, hey, you know, here's $100,000 to rebuild the fire station. Mm-hmm. Those are the people. And again, you can you can praise LeBron all you want. I don't care. I'm saying I'm I'm more impressed by people who who do things quietly yes. and go to hospitals and take care of people than I am by people that have to have an entourage to show everybody how swell they are. Absolutely, you're listening to Tony Bruno on the Big Brother Jake podcast. I, I'm with you on that 100 percent, Tony. Kids, even at a lower level, with just people in general, especially with social media and how things are played out. They'll go up to a homeless man with their iPhone or their smartphone or whatever and record themselves, you know, being self-righteous. And, and to me, that's not charity. That's a business transaction. And I have the same problem with those people that do those types of things. If you do it, you should do it from your heart. You should never do it just for praise or recognition. And, and, and I want to I wanna touch on this. You are very strong in your, uh, your statements and your opinions, which I've always loved that about you and respected that about you and i think you've been done a grave injustice because you're not afraid to speak your mind because of your stances you're not afraid to speak on it and now with these accusations of racism which are totally not true and i'll 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 scream that from the mountaintop for you tell me how this makes you feel because you've done this for a long time tony and you've interviewed millions of people well i'm exaggerating but still you know what i'm saying Pretty close to it. Yeah. I haven't counted them, but the- no, you, you, you're, you're absolutely right. I've been, again, I'm not, an, this isn't a pity party. I'm not no, doing no. a world apology. I know, for, you're not. I know. You know, because what I said was dumb because I, I, I didn't say, first of all, I wasn't, I did never said NBA players can't read. Right. No, I, yeah, you would never and say that's it. what this yeah. guy at Deadspin put as the headline. So when you see a headline like that and then you read the story from the Deadspin writer, and the first words out of it are, fuck you, Tony Bruno. That's mm. literally what he wrote. Wow. So when you start off that way, put a quote up that I never said, right. and then immediately basically play your cards 
that you're a guy who's trying to ruin somebody's life because mm-hmm. you don't like him. And you now know that we live in a cancel culture that if you paint somebody as a racist based on a dumb comment that everybody's going to pick up on it. And especially people that don't know you, right. because most of the people who are coming after me don't even know me. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people know me, but I don't assume that everybody who reads Deadspin or anybody who listens to sports radio or mm-hmm. anything else knows who I am. I never assume that. Even though I've been on a long time, almost 50 years in this business, yeah. you never assume anybody knows who you are because most people don't. Mm-hmm. And so I don't assume that, but I also know that I have a background and I've interviewed five presidents, multiple vice presidents, mm-hmm. you name it, every athlete, and I have great friends of all races, colors, and creeds. Yes. And I'm not here trying to prove that I'm not racist because that's the one thing, Jake. When somebody labels you a racist, it's it's that one word mm-hmm. that you can never, ever, ever fight without looking like you're trying to prove that you're not a racist. Right. And so that's the problem with it. And that's that's what will happen. And a 50 year career, you know, hopefully is not coming to the end. And that will I will that will be the scarlet letter that people will put on a career where I've done, I believe, nothing but be kind and and respectful and friends to many, many people, hundreds of thousands of people that I've been around in my life. People have Mm -hmm. hired me at Fox, at ESPN, and everywhere else. I know who I am. My friends and family know who I am and what I am. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have to sleep with at night. I'm not sitting here worrying about, oh my God, how am I gonna prove that I'm not a racist? Because I know I'm not, and people know I'm not. Right, absolutely, and I'll say it, he's not, people, all right? (laughs) This man is celebrated by a lot of people, And, and, and that's the thing, you hit it on the head with this cancel culture thing. I've had friends, you know, that aren't famous, that have done one thing, like, you know, something stupid, or said something stupid, you know, that's not even bad, but of course, People are going to want to do what they want to do. This guy at Deadspin sounded like he was trying to do a hit piece to, to try and get his name out there. And, and, and that's the problem with how the media is ran today. It, it wasn't like that. You know, there's no integrity anymore. There's, you know, there's no um, unbiased, so to speak, for lack of a better word. But you have these people out here, they pick up one thing and then they add their own twist to it. And all of a sudden you got somebody that's been doing this damn near 50 years that's respected by his peers and the people that's listened to him for many years, you know, try to cancel you. And and, and we were going to do this before all this happened. So I want to make that clear. We were, we were already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I figured, you know, I wanted to have you on anyway to talk about it a little bit because. I know you're not doing a pity party. You're not doing one of those apology tours. You don't need to because people know how you are, who you are, and, and what you're about. But me, myself, I'm not pleased with how everything turned out. And, and I always wanted to make sure that, you know, you had a chance to say what you wanted to say on, on my platform that I have here. But you're right. If you are labeled something, even if you're not found of that, it does carry on. And I would hate to see you hang up the headphones because of some idiot that doesn't know how to, you know, that wants to do a hit piece on you. I, I would not want to see that. The people don't want to see that, Tony. No, I appreciate that, Jake. And, you know, the other thing is the outpouring of people on my Twitter feed and on that know me, text messages. You have my phone number, people calling, right. texting me. I mean, it's been incredible. It's been overwhelming. And, again, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not asking for people to right. go out and cancel uh, Sirius XM radio. I don't do that. I don't, no. you know, I have no problem with Sirius. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with sports baton radio from previously SB nation. Mm-hmm. You know, they were forced to do it. When somebody writes a hit piece like that in the corporate world, you know, they got to protect their sponsors. I lost all my advertisers. You know, it's happened to a lot. I remember Kobe Bryant and the allegations oh, yeah. in LA when I was out there covering the Lakers, yeah. what happened in, in Colorado, mm-hmm. those allegations come up, boom, whether you're guilty or not, all these corporate people are paying you money. Yep. 
they, they distance themselves from you. Yeah. And they distance themselves from Kobe. And after all the dust settled, the bottom line, you know, Kobe Bryant was no longer with us. One of the greatest players of all time, Philly area guy. I got mm-hmm. to know him, mm-hmm. talked to him many, many times. Kobe Bryant, you know, is not remembered for some allegations. He's remembered for being not only one of the greatest players of all time, right. but a champion, a great human being, a guy who did so much for so many and who left us way too soon. So Kobe Bryant, maybe to some idiots, you know, will have a, a mark against his his uh, his career uh-huh. and his life. But nobody, I mean, nobody justifiably can 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 rip Kobe Bryant over something that he was never, ever uh, uh, charged in a court of law or ever was convicted of doing. And that's the thing. You, you no, there's no court of law anymore. The court of public opinion. Yes. Is, is what is the, the stage now where everybody is judged, judge, jury, and executioners are all sitting on social media trying to yell at people because they're sitting at home self-righteously thinking that they're morally superior to anybody else. Right. <laughs> yes, that, and that's become a big problem. And I'll, I'll blame social media for that because a lot of people have a voice now that they would never say any of these things to anybody's face. Because they feel, oh, well, I, I could get bad because I have access to this person. But if you saw them person to person, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. And, and, and this guy wouldn't face you in a dark alley. That's just my opinion. But, you know, that's just the way it is now with journalism, and there's no integrity anymore. Yeah, that's, that's about it. And the biggest disappointment to me is not people coming at me on Twitter. Right. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, of course. You don't, not everybody, you know, you don't have to agree with me, agree with my opinions. I engage people all the time on my Twitch show. I go. I like to go back and forth with people every day. Yeah. People know they can talk to me. I don't. If somebody's if somebody goes on Twitter and comes at me with some filthy, nasty rhetoric and calling me names and stuff, I just block them. Yeah. You know, I used to engage those people, but they're trying to get a rise out of you, mm-hmm. even when there's no controversy. You know, they're on there just trying to get under your skin. Yes. You know, and then you see they have like five followers, and <laughs> all they're trying to do is get somebody like me yeah. to cut to engage them with sixty-five thousand followers, <laughs> so that they can get their five follower count up. Yes. And so, if they're respectful, I engage them. If they call me names, you could disagree with me, and, and I've engaged. But you could you get on there and start calling me nasty names and calling me racist without even knowing me. Mm-hmm. That's an immediate uh, block. And awesome. those are the people you just block out of your lives because they don't matter. But the, but the people that do that have disappointed me, I'm not going to name their names, but there's a couple of guys in the media. This mm-hmm. is the thing that gets me, Jake. Right. People I don't even know who are prominent media people who, who are dancing on my grave mm-hmm. when they found out that I was fired. I mean, tweeting on their, on their certified blue checkmark accounts about how it's about time that I finally got called out and fired uh, for my history of being a racist and I'm like, are you serious right now? Yeah. I would never, ever, ever. And these are a couple of well-known people mm-hmm. and I was disappointed. I didn't follow them. They weren't following me, but obviously they were look, they're the kinds of people who sit there and celebrate other people's demise. I have never, ever, never would mm-hmm. celebrate anybody losing their job. Now, unless somebody was a murderer and they've been convicted of murder yeah. and they were taken off the air and put in jail, I wouldn't celebrate it. I would just say, good justice is served. Right. But this isn't about justice. This is about just people who don't like you for whatever reason mm-hmm. or don't like what you said. Uh, there was one guy who was a writer in the San Francisco Bay Area who came after me and said it's a good thing you were canceled. I don't even know the guy. I know who he is. Right. And then uh, he said, well, this guy, uh, he was he was terrible for when he was on KNBR in San Francisco with Gary Radnich for all those years. I said, I said, yeah, it was that show was a that show was a was so bad. It was so 
disliked that it lasted 17 years. Yeah, how I'll bad is that? that. <laughs> yeah, so that's I didn't call them names. I didn't go back at right, them and right. say you're a loser. You know, I just said, yeah, that was such a bad show and such a disliked show <laughs> that people listened to it for 17 consecutive years. And it was expanded from a five-minute segment to a half-an-hour segment right. every single weekday, Monday to Friday. That's how that's how unpopular it was. So it, it, come at me with that stuff. I just come back with a little snide comment, <laughs> and then I blocked him. And then he was then he was ripping me to all over Twitter. I mean, come on, man, really go right ahead. Yes, yeah, I, I would love to have a terrible simulcast thirty-minute segment. That's number one in the market. Yeah, that, I would love to have a terrible for seventeen simulcast. consecutive years. <laughs> yeah. I can only be so lucky. <laughs> We're wrapping it up here with Tony Bruno here on the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Now, Tony, I'm going to ask you this, and you're always honest with me, and I love that about you. Is there any way, any scenario that would that you that that that, that you could see that you could continue to do what you're great at? I, I don't know. I mean, I've had people approach me already and say, hey, why don't you do this? Or I have a podcast. You know, I have my Twitch stream, yeah. and that was, you know, that's what I had before I got the serious gig and the sports map radio gig. So I've been doing Twitch for a couple of years and I've been having fun on there. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't make a lot of money on Twitch. I mean, I'm not a gamer. Twitch is primarily a gamer site and there's gamers on there do a great job and make a ton of money yeah. and God bless them. I don't, if you have a, if you have a talent or some sort of content that's going to generate, it doesn't matter what you are. You don't have to be a sports person. You don't have to mm-hmm. be a rapper. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be an actor. You could be anybody today. Yeah. Anybody yeah. at any level of education, any any economic, socioeconomic status, you come up with a smart idea, people will pay to watch your content. That's what America is all about. Yeah. And so, you know, people are trying to get me to get back into sports. I, I don't hate sports. I'm a little sour on sports now, right now, not because I got fired. Right. I was getting soured, you know, going back on the air and having to talk everybody about the baseball, as I mentioned earlier to mm-hmm. you, about, oh, no, it's not done. June 1st, by the way, we have to have this done by June 1st. Yeah. And then they're arguing. I'll give the NBA and the NHL credit. You know, they messed around a lot, and then they finally got a situation figured out, and they went back, and they're figuring out their champions. That's fine. That's what people want to see. They did it right. They don't have fans in the stands. They did it in a hub. Nobody can argue with that. And that's what I don't argue with it. But, I, you know, I see people in the media, uh, we, oh, they can't go out and play. What are they doing? They're killing people. What are these athletes thinking? You know, and again, they're not dying. Right. People get sick all the time. And I'm not downplaying coronavirus. People die from it. But the fact that we have people trying to scare us yeah. into not being able ever to go out again, not being able to have sports. And then in Los Angeles, I see the health commissioner said, oh, we're not going to open up the schools until after the election. Yeah. Is there some magic number that after the election, the schools are now, everything's going to be safe again and you could go back then? Yeah. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? I, I, I wonder that all the time. And my kids, and this is a first, Tony. My kids, all, well, I got three daughters, but the older two, all right, 15 and 11, they were crying the other day and said, Ted, we just want to go back to school. I wish I had that on tape because they've never said that. That's how bad they want to get back to school. They miss nor, you know, just the normal life. And, and, and seeing this, especially here in California, I, I could go on for hours about that, but I won't bore anybody with that. It's ridiculous. Like my, my good friend Paul, I call him P-Dub, he's one of my, like my best friend in life. He said, thank God I was standing on a six-foot marker because if I would have been within six feet, I would have caught everything. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ridiculous how, how this is just played out and – 
you know, it, it's just people want normalcy again. People want to go out to sporting events. I mean, I miss going out there and, and doing games for the Clippers and the Kings. And, and it's just, it's crazy. And I don't even know what's going to happen from this point on because it, it's so crazy now. And it, I just, I don't know what's going to happen with, with this whole thing, man. It's crazy. I agree. But I, according to your health commissioner out there, <laughs> uh, November 4th, it'll all be good again. Oh, yeah. It'll all be good again. <laughs> That's the magical date. Circle your calendars now. <laughs> the day after the election, everything will be able to open up again. Well, that's, no matter who wins. No matter who wins, everybody will be able to get back to normal. <laughs> See how ridiculous that sounds? I mean, are we sick or are we not sick? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying it either. But, like, I've had people that, that, that got it. I know people personally that had it. And, and, and some of the symptoms were really bad on some. Some, they were just like, oh, I felt like a bad flu. So, you know, I'm not judging anything. But... That's kind of fishy. It's kind of fishy. Oh, after the election, we'll be just fine. Put, throw your masks away. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I don't know, man. And people who can't see through this stuff, Jake, and like you said, parents like you with kids. Yeah. Luckily, my kids are all grown. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the teachers, unions are like, oh, no, you know, we, we want demands. We want this to happen before we go back to school. You know, I mean, listen, I get parents, I get teachers being concerned. Sure. And parents being concerned. But, you know, it's like what happened with Halloween out there in L.A. Oh, yeah. The, the mayor out there in Los Angeles said, or somebody in, somebody in power in Los Angeles, we're not going to, we're not going to, no Halloween this year. Kids can't go out. Yeah. And then what happens? The people go, what are you, crazy? Yep. The stores that are selling candy. You know, the <laughs> costume places that need to open to make business, to make yep. money and stay alive. So they probably went crazy and called uh, the mayor's office and yep. said, what are you, what are you crazy? So what happens? The next day, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, we're not canceling Halloween. We recommend that you don't trick or treat. So that's the problem. Politicians, they go out and then they make a decision on what they think you should do. Right. And then finally the people are speaking up. And when people speak up and say, are you crazy? They back down. Yes. And that's what's happening. That's the power to the people. That's truth to power. Right. You're going to tell us that we, we have to wait till after November 3rd to go back to school. Yeah. What are we going to do between now and then? Homeschool? You know, and that's what people have had to do. And people are adjusting and they're going out, they're wearing their masks. There's a couple of numbskulls out there who don't listen. Right. But the, the bottom line is, you know, most people are responsible, man. Yeah. They're making it sound like everybody's irresponsible and everybody wants to kill everybody else, which is insane. Yeah, it is. It, it is. And it, it, it just makes me wonder how, I don't even want to get into it, for, but listen, Tony, I need to hear one thing. One of the things I used to love when I used to work with you, you got to hit beautiful for me one time, man. Can you do that for me, bro? Absolutely, man. You know you're beautiful, man. My man. You know that. You know that, man. You've always been my man. Oh, Tony. You know, I have so many great friends. I spent 11 years of my life, and I, I said this the other day. You know, when people talk about my career and all the places I worked at ESPN yeah. in 1992, started that, mm -hmm. was there for 10 years. Fox Sports Radio, I was in L.A. for 11 years with mm -hmm. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports TV, best damn sports show. I got to do Madden games. That's that set era from 2000 when I moved to L.A., as hard as it was for me personally because I was out there without my family. My yeah. wife didn't want to move out to L.A. As hard as that was for me from a personal standpoint, I think as far as my career, that's where I really probably hit the uh, the, the – the top of my career, mm -hmm. you know, being on in LA or in New York, that's always important because yeah. not that I wanted to be in LA to be a movie star or any of that stuff, but you know, I was working at ESPN, which was all over the country and I was doing it from Bristol, Connecticut, right. being in LA where you're physically there and people hear you when they wake up in the morning and they listen on the radio. And then they hired me from EA sports to do the Madden games for a couple of years. Yeah. And the best damn sports show people reached out. I didn't go out there and have an agent trying to find jobs. I was just blessed 
and you know did some good shows and people like listening to it in the morning you know i had one of the other great moments is george carlin oh, was yeah. listening one morning because yeah. he lives in venice i was living in venice and out of nowhere I get my producer says, "Hey, when I was over at the Sporting News, uh -huh. my producer says, there's a guy on the line who says it's George Carlin. <laughs> it sounds like him, but I'm not sure." Yeah. So I said, "Well, don't, don't put him on. Let me go in." I, we went to a break. I went and picked up the phone, and I said, "Is this really George Carlin?" And he started talking, and I said, "Holy crap! It's George freaking Carlin!" <laughs> I said, "Well, thanks for calling me." He said, "I just wanted to tell you, man. We don't have to go on the air. I just wanted to tell you." I listen to you every morning. I love the way you think, man. I like the way your brain works. Wow. And I was thinking, holy shit. <laughs> this is like one of the great, it would be like Richard Pryor calling. Yes. You talk about, talk about legendary, great, I love George comedic minds of all time. And I'm not a comic. I'm not a comedian. So then George, I said, would you come on the air? I'd love to talk to you, man, because I know you're a big sports fan. Mm -hmm. So he came on with me. And now, you know, imagine having George Carlin. You never know who's listening. That's you the great thing know. about yes, yes. radio. You never know who's listening or watching if you're on TV or listening to this podcast. So George Carlin invited me over. I went to his house. He lived right near me. Wow. And then he invited me to go to, to have dinner with him and go down to, to one of his last tapings of his HBO show down in Long Beach. Uh -huh. Went backstage, met his family. Wow. And I got to talk to him a lot. And then, you know, obviously he died not that long afterwards. So right. to be, and he signed a book and he signed profanity in the book to me. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things, you know, I've met, I've met all these sports people, all these politicians, you know, but when you have somebody like a George Carlin, yes. out of nowhere, calls into your radio show to tell you that he likes the way you think. That put, that's the kind of validation, I think, that we all look for. We all like you know, yes. our fans, whether they're some guy on the street who's a plumber, whether he's the mailman, you know, a guy welding. Those people, I respect everybody who works hard and does their job. But you know, there, there's some special moments that you think of working in LA and all those great people that I've got to meet out there and mm -hmm. friends. And I met Miss Robin out there, and now she's pretty much been the, she, she's really been my, my brick. She's been my yes. wall. She's, she's kept me together. I love her last, to death. Uh, since 2008 when I met her. So she yes. moved back to Philly with me when I moved back. So I've been very lucky, and I met some great people and worked with some great people just like you, Jake. And it's, it's always been it's something I'll never, ever forget, man. Now, and, and I appreciate that, Tony, because I, I, I'm going to tell you like this, man. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because I'm not in the business for that, man. I'm from San Bernardino, California. I don't take no shit from anybody. And I won't lie to anybody, okay? But. I, I followed you from ESPN. I was always a fan of yours, you know. So I started as a fan. I'm gonna be honest with you. So when the the, the few times I'd be able to like fill in on the board or, or 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 call screen, I was always excited to do it. And you always treated me with the utmost respect, and I am forever grateful to you for that. Um, even when there was times where you would see me frustrated, you're like, "What's going on?" Like, man, you know, certain people upstairs that. That got on my nerves. You would go and talk to them for me and be like, "Why are you on this guy? Like, he he works hard." And, and I want to tell you and tell the world that I appreciate all those great things you did for me because you didn't have to do that. And, and I wasn't even on your show full time. And, and I would hang out because I, I I knew a lot of the guys behind the glass, and I had nothing to do. I didn't have any kids at the time. My wife was already at work, so it's like I'm gonna just hang out. And, and you would just be so gracious. And kind and caring and considerate. And from the bottom of my heart, man, I want to thank you for all those things. And I'll never forget that. Well, thank you, Jay. I mean, it really means a lot to me. I mean, all of my great friends and, you know, all the great people that I've worked with who have been reaching out to me. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm having to do this mea culpa tour. And I'm not. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not on the air to apologize. If I hurt people, I don't know who I hurt. Uh, LeBron James doesn't care what I say. You know, he's, 
He's the king of the world. He's going to win another NBA championship. God right. bless him. I don't root against LeBron right. James right. because right. I'm not a Laker fan. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. root against any athlete. You know, we goof around when we're watching sports, and I'm not a Cowboy fan. Yes. And I, I bust <laughs> Cowboy fans' chops, and they bust them back. That's what the kind. Of, that's the kind of hate we have. It's yes. sports hate. You know, yes. uh, you're a Sixer fan against a Laker fan. That's the kind of stuff that we do. Yes. Because it's not really hate. It's just people just getting each, under each other's skin because. Their root for their team. Yes. But when it's all said and done, man, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't, man. No, no. And, that, and that's what's missing, the, the fun rivalries and stuff like that. Everybody's such, like, pent-up aggression. I know some of it's probably people cooped up or whatever, but I wish we could get back to that, man. I wish it was September 12, 2001 every single day because sports united us, and it, now it's taking on a whole life of its own with other things and – and it's not fun like it used to be, you know, but that's what's missing. And you brought that every morning. When I know people are having a bad day or, or, or somebody's team lost, you, you, you were so informative, but you, you made it fun. And, and, and that's what's missing in, in, in this medium, man, it, 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 the fun. People don't have fun anymore. Everybody has to have an opinion. Everybody has to, be, you know, something has to be polarizing. You have to hate this. You have to cancel that. And, and, and that's what's like. I, I love radio. I love podcasting. And, and that's that's what's wrong with, with what's going on today, man. It's just a whole different animal now. Well, you know, that's one thing I've done. Like when I first started in the business, I, I wasn't giving opinions. I was a news guy. I just read the news, you know, and I learned and I went out and covered stories. Mm-hmm. And same thing when I started covering sports. I'd go into the locker room. I wasn't a, I was a nobody with a microphone sticking it in and talking to these athletes in Philly. And then I got to luckily to do national stuff in New York. And then mm-hmm. I obviously with ESPN and then about at Fox. So getting to go to all these games and getting access to all these athletes and stuff. And then finally, after, you know, about 10 years in the business, that's when I started doing opinion radio because I wasn't out every night covering stories. I was just watching games like everybody else. I would go to games when I could. But then you gave opinions because we became the electronic media became the daily newspaper. You know, you have to write a letter to the editor back in the day or you'd have to wait for your, you know, your opinion piece to appear in a newspaper and write back. But then with the advent of social media and all the things that we all embrace and move forward, as a civilization, you know, you get more access to this stuff. So I've always had fun from the moment I gave my first opinion on the air to the one I gave, maybe my last one, I'm never going to change. And, and I've said this forever mm-hmm. when sports does not become fun more to do, then I'll stop doing it. But yeah. I was having fun until the very last day. So hopefully something happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not sitting here crying. If I don't get another job or if I, I'm not looking for another job, I'm not begging. I've had people contact me. So there's possibilities out there. Right. But, you know, if something happens, it happens. But I'm not going to say I'll never work again. But I'm not going to lie to people and say, you know, till next week you're going to hear me on the air out of nowhere. Right. I know that's not going to happen. So I, luckily, you know, i got my mom who's not in good shape right now. And I worry mm-hmm. about those kinds of things or whether, whether or not I'm going to do another sports show. So right. I worry about family and people that are close to me first and then anything else that happens down the road. We'll see what happens then. Well, Tony, I got to say this, man. Selfishly, I don't want to see you go away. But I, I enjoy you. I love you to death. You know that. And, man, if you ever get the bug and you want to just chat it up with me on this podcast, you know you're always welcome, man. You know that. <laughs> well, thanks, Jake. That's why you're Big Brother Jake, man. That's my why you'll always be. Ah, Even my... before you became Big Brother Jake, you were Big Brother Jake to me. Even though I'm much older than you, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on, Tony. All right, thank you very much, Jake. Appreciate it, man. Love you. Hello, everybody. You're listening to my daddy, Big Brother Jake. This is the Big Brother Jake Brothercast. Bye, everybody. 
Man, that was that was a good time. Man, talking to one of my favorite people in life, Tony Bruno, the, the godfather of sports. I really want to thank him for coming on. Oh, and I didn't do this at the, the beginning of the show. Um, from last the last show, I want to thank. Oh man, there's so many. I had four interviews. Like, I never do that, but <laughs> I want to thank Noah Eagle, uh, play-by-play man of the Los Angeles uh, Clippers Radio Network, for coming on. My man Rob Fukazaki, um, ABC Seven out here in Los Angeles, for coming on. Uh, my man DJ Severe, the DJ, official DJ of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Want to thank him for coming on, and my man Mike Pearson. Uh, the executive radio producer of the Rams Radio Network and producer on the Opinionated Seven Footers on CBS Sports. Thank y'all for coming on last week, man. It was a really good time. And thank you, Tony Bruno, for coming on. And uh, thank you to y'all for coming on, <laughs> turning on um, your your iPods or your uh, streaming devices, smartphones, and listening to the Big Brother Jake podcast. Hey, if you have a smart TV, you can go to iHeartRadio. And uh, you can hear me on TV. So if you don't have, you know, you don't want to walk around with a phone and you're in a room just chilling, I, I can be on TV. Send some shots to that too, man. You know, throw that up on the uh, Instagram or, or, or Twitter or whatever. I ain't doing Facebook no more, all right? So don't ask. Not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. Accidentally logged in and within two minutes I realized why I left and I logged right back out. Anyways, on the next episode of the Big Brother Jake podcast, we will have two legends of West Coast hip-hop. And, uh, yes, I, I did some interviews, and, and it was a good time. You'll hear all that and their stories, and uh, we'll chop it up on the music-type thing uh, next episode. So let's land this plane right now. And until then, I want to say to y'all, <clears throat> wait for it. Deuces! You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast.